I've spent the last 30 years of my life as a dental professional, not just cleaning teeth, but educating patients about their oral health and how it's connected to their overall health. It wasn't until I got divorced and started working with a mobile dental company traveling to schools that I saw with my own eyes how bad the cavity situation actually is amongst our children. And it's heartbreaking to me, especially knowing dental disease is 100% preventable with proper daily home care. I've made it my mission to bring awareness to how we can change our mindset about our mouths and establish healthy habits that will keep our kids engaged and empower families to take the chore out of daily brushing and create fun memories and cavity-free kids. My name is Sherry Wirtz, and this is Healthy Mouth Movement 411. Join me and be part of the solution. Together, we can battle plaque and make a difference. Good morning. Welcome back. Thanks for joining us again. Today, we're here with Dr. Sherry Sami, and she is the founder of Happy Kids Dental Planet and co-founder of Beehive of Healing Integrative Medical and Dental Center in Algora Hills, California. She holds a master's degree in spiritual psychology. She works extensively with parents and children to identify and resolve psychosomatic disorders, healing oral, facial, cranial, respiratory, and myofunctional disorders. She is amazing with what she does, and she's going to be so helpful with giving us what we're talking about in total body wellness, because that's part of her philosophy, and she recognizes the connection that your emotions play with your physical condition, as well as correlating it to a healthy mouth which this is the Healthy Mouth Movement, so that's awesome, and how your jaw and airway also plays a role in ADHD, teeth grinding, bedwetting, mouth breathing, and behavioral changes. She's also the co-founder of Love Button Global Movement, which is a nonprofit organization that promotes acts of loving kindness. So thank you so much for um, being here, talking to us, and sharing your expertise and knowledge. Absolutely. It's such a pleasure to be with you today, this morning. So um, right now in this particular episode, what I've been asking people is if you could give parents advice, what would be the number one thing you would tell them to look for in their children? I would um, say the number one thing that it makes the biggest difference is um, what you put in your child's body in terms of food. Um, many of us as parents, um, you know, we have upgraded our food and nutrition to like more organic and more um, whole foods and things like that. But if you actually look, start looking in all the little tiny uh, things that they are putting on each packages, you'll find a lot of ingredients that they're not necessarily the um, the best thing for your child and for your child's body. Um, and what I see is also um, that so many children, for example, they have sensitivities to um, milk and dairy product, to gluten, to dyes, to sugar, to um, any of the additives that they're using. And that creates uh, so much disturbances in their bodies, in their mind, in their guts, in their health. Um, and then it, it's being missed. And instead of really looking at uh, what's going on with this magnificent, precious being, you know, they're basically putting them on medications instead. So I would say become your child's biggest, biggest advocate. Educate yourself. Um, don't rely on your doctors or dentists to tell you what to eat and what to do with, with the child's body. 
learn, learn, learn now that we have so much access to information um, and make sure that your child is eating the right food for their body um, and some of the symptoms and things like that that you're, uh, you're seeing as little as just throwing a lot of tantrums are not due to some of the nutritional stuff that they're putting in their body. They are or they are not? They are. Well, both. They are putting in their body. So some things, they create a lot of inflammations, a lot of congestions, a lot of gut health issues, and some things like they're not getting enough, you know, so if their magnesium is not enough, if their zinc is not enough, if their probiotics, they don't have enough probiotics in their gut, gut health due to the way that they were delivered, for example, or mom's gut health. There's, there's so many aspects of these that I feel that as moms, you know, I'm a mom of two, six-year-old and a 12-year-old. Um, and I think that as moms, we really, really need to upgrade our education in terms of, you know, becoming the best advocate for our children. Because I, I don't think that the medical system is uh, savvy enough anymore for regular chronic stuff and um, every day um, to, to really address some of these things and to really spend the time to educate themselves and then to educate their patients. And we have, I totally agree with that. We have a lot of food allergies in my family. And so there's subtle things that you don't even notice. Right. So what would you say to parents that are noticing maybe some behavioral changes or even like, you know, circles under their eyes that has to do right. with breathing and food and, and things like that? What would you recommend that parents look for if it's a subtle thing that they might not know what's going on and they're not getting the help they need from the medical community? Absolutely. So one of the things, for example, that I, um, you know, as a, as a new mom, when back when he was born, uh, my son was born, when I noticed is like when he would have the smallest, like one day I would be to totally lax and let him just have the regular foods that other kids would have with sugar and all kinds of additives. I would notice that my son's personality, literally from this very sweet, considerate, amazing human being would just become like very combative, like answering back and just being really angry and not being able to, to control his, you know, just his emotions in, in a proper way, like hitting or just really, really out of his body. And, um, and, and it's, you know, he was three. So you would think like, oh, well, a three-year-old is supposed to behave like that. But I would literally notice how his uh, capacity and how his um, whole demeanor would change, you know, and it was very subtle, but, um, but yet really profound. So um, the other part would I would see was, um, for example, for my daughter, as soon as she would have the combination of gluten and dairy, like she would just have like very, very, very little subtle um, bumps on her arms, you know. Um, the other things that I would see, like, you know, I'm in a lot of patients is they're coming and they have very dark circle under their eyes, which usually indicates that the adrenal gland is working really hard, you know, so why I would find out why the adrenal gland is working really high. Are, do they have sense, food sensitivities? And it doesn't necessarily have to be allergy, you know, um, a lot of times, um, it's the subtleness of things, you know, like they might get, 
you know, some uh, indigestions afterward, or they're not pooping, you know, they should be pooping every time for the food that they're eating. So two, three times a day, it should be a normal thing for, for children and adults to, uh, to have bowel movements. So they're not pooping the same way. They're getting a little bit of, you know, um, regurgitations, you know, in, in babies, especially like you can totally tell when they're like, you know, the they swallow like it comes up um, and that those are some of the ways that you can find out perhaps some of the sensitivity that your child has and as you're breastfeeding they're being exposed to it which their body doesn't like so there there are a few things that you can literally see you know that they're not sleeping as well that night because they start mouth breathing that day that they had so much dairy you know um, they're they have like little uh, post nasal drip with like where they keep like you know like clear their throats or um, they continuously almost like a um, uh, in the morning early in the morning they might have uh, a lot of coughing things like that so there there are just a, a lot of subtle and yet profound um, symptoms and uh, signs that you can tell that there's something not um, going, you know, uh, resonating with your child. So pay attention to those things and find out how you can help them because there's very, very easy ways of taking care of these where they wouldn't have a lifetime of problems and sinus issues and respiratory. And especially at this time with coronavirus, they would be more exposed to it if they're mouth breathing rather than using their nose to do that. So all of these um, little subtle things makes a huge, huge difference once you address it. And things and that you can address in the mouth too, that you can see in the mouth or the face and everything that, um, again, subtle differences that sometimes our doctors miss and we don't know what's going on when we're trying to problem solve for our kids. Yes. So one of the things that I do that I think it's, um, you know, a lot of dentists or physicians that don't do is as soon as the patient comes in, I actually spend a lot of times chit-chatting with them. You know, it's like, so how's it going? How are how old are you? Oh my God, I love your shoes, you know. And um, I just get them to get engaged in speaking or um, basically uh, bringing forward like, you know, are they looking at their feet? Are they walking with uh, without tippy-toe walking? There's some kids that they, they tippy-toe walking. Are they, can they actually move their gazes all the way? So I track, you know, their trackings with the eyes. How are they utilizing their mouth when they're speaking? How are they utilizing their mouth when they are, um, when they're breathing? Are they nose breathing? Are they mouth breathing? Do they have the dark circle? Is their um, face kind of growing in a more narrow and longer way? Or is it actually full and it's dry? Uh, growing proportionally with the upper and the lower jaw how's the posture you know because you're when your uh, mouth is growing in the wrong direction what you do and you have some airway issues you actually bring your head forward a little bit now in order to open up your airways now your head instead of about five to eight um kilogram you know or pounds actually i'm sorry uh, now it feels like it's like seven to eight pounds is too heavy. So now you bring your shoulders forward in order to support that. When you bring the shoulders forward, you have a little bit of a bump in the back of, you know, like that you seem like 
that you're always humping and then you're sticking your, your bottom out, your glutes in order to compensate. So the whole posture actually completely changes with kids and adults that they have um, airway issues. And so we do take, you know, full length pictures of them from the side, you know, because some of those things I monitor as I, um, as I start improving some of these things, like how did the posture change, did the head, you know, um, holding changed, you know, how did the, how did the airway and like the shoulders and the back and, um, and the, also like the postures on the feet change. So some of these things are very, like watch what, how your, your child walks, you know, are they pronating and collapsing their arches? Are they, you know, completely pulling their feet outside? You know, are the knees kind of collapsing? These are, these are all interrelated with each other. And especially when you address it so much earlier in life, it's like 100% correctable rather than, our ages where like things they have already remodeled and then now it's so much more that it's still correctable but it will take 10 15 years instead of two months right. you know? right. so so the sooner that you start all of these things the, the the sooner you can make so many changes the other thing that i do is before i just kind of say hey nice to meet you and put them like back in their you know on the chair I actually kind of see how they're breathing. Are they comfortable breathing? You know, we have a capnogram that sometimes we actually put them on the capnogram and see like, what is their level of carbon dioxide? Are they breathing through their chest? Are they breathing through their, their belly? And these, they tell me a lot of stuff about the child and how comfortable they would be on their back. Because as dentists, we don't even think about those things. You know, we just lay them on their back and they might feel really suffocated because they can't breathe properly through their, their mouth, large, gigantic tonsils, a lot of times, you know, with like large adenoids. And then we have all these things in their mouth and then we call the child, oh, this child is uncooperative. We need to sedate them. No, you know, let's, let's see where is that uncooperativeness has come, you know, like, is it because the child has airway issues and on a very unconscious way, you know, the autonomic nervous system is saying, hey, buddy, I can't breathe when you're laying down and with all these things in the, in, you know, in your mouth. So I'm just going to shut down and start throwing a tantrum and start like screaming and yelling so I can get out of this situation. It's a survival mechanism. Right. So to have things gradually done, and then we also have a breathing re-educator that goes through and starts working with them how to breathe through their nose, you know, how to um, slow down their breathing, what's going to happen if something goes in their mouth, and, you know, that how to take care of the gagging reflex, you know, reset all the cranial nerves. So those are some of the things that I think it's such an important service because the Otherwise, the rest of our lives, we are actually on a sympathetic overtone, which is fight and flight. We might not know it, but we're operating from that space. And then everything in life, it just becomes a trigger point, right? Because our cortisol is so high that we're basically just ready to either, you know, run away or fight about it. So where our threshold is so much um, lower and when you look at like the service that you can provide to this child by just changing that, by just changing their 
sympathetic overtone to a parasympathetic where they know how to breathe through the anxiety, where they know how to breathe through some of the emotions that come up, where they know how to breathe through challenging situations in a proper way, as well as lowering down their cortisol level, making their body less inflammatory prone, which we know inflammation is the cause of everything from cancer to you know, regurgitations to everything, you know. So uh, what, what an amazing service are you providing to this child as a parent, as a, as a practitioner, as, as anyone, that it's basically working with a child. You're literally completely changing their, the way that life is going to meet them at different points of their, their destiny. Yeah, that totally. So my next question would be, that is so, such amazing information. How do parents find someone that has this knowledge to help them? Because not all dentists that they go to are going to recognize that or think about all of that. That's true. So I believe that the more that you educate yourself and the more that you listen to podcasts such as yours and, uh, and be able to say, you know, just, just bring it into the awareness. For example, you know, what I, what I just discussed with you, like rather than just putting a patient, you know, on their back, you, you are looking for how they're breathing, how they're standing, how, you know, some of these things that we're looking at, you know, for example, gut health, having little pits, you know, sometimes it creates little pits on the teeth because they are regurgitating and, and things are not necessarily um, having the best results in the, in the mouth. When you bring awareness and you educate yourself, I really believe when, when the student is, you know, ready, the teacher will appear you will look and you will find a person in your life, you know, whether it's a dentist or a physician or some people like, or a naturopath, you will find those people that they are, they are of support to you and they will be able to resonate with that thought process as an advocate for your child and your family. Um, I have families that, uh, you know, we are in Agoura Hills, Los Angeles. I have families that they come all the way from Arizona driving 13 hours to get to me, you know. I have families in Austin, Texas. I have families in New York. Once they find this, this is important to me. This way of thinking, this way of support is really important to me. Then they'll find the support they need rather than just settling down with somebody that's not necessarily you know, that is doing acts of service other than, you know, cleaning your teeth and filling cavities, which is basically treating the symptoms, not treating the cause. If you look at like uh, why some of the people, they have cavities and it's not always sugar. A lot of times it's not sugar, actually. When you look at those propensities, then your entire way of treatment completely changes. We spend so much time on how does your child sleep? Like, let's look at like, do they move around a lot in bed? Do they, do they drink water? Do they bed wet? You know, when do they get off the diapers? How was your birth? How was your pregnancy? How is your own health? Like, we spend so much time just understanding this, the, the fullness of this, this amazing being. And that's important for me because I want to be of support to the entire family, not just to the child, but to the entire family, including the emotional and the mental. But when, but all the parents that they come to me, 
it's almost like they're already expecting that or they're already ready for it. So they are, they're not really surprised by my line of questionings because they know like they're coming to me not just to get a tooth filled, although that's part of the services we provide, but I always joke around with, with my kids, at my, kid, my work kids. I say, this is the last cavity you're going to have for 100 years. After 100, you can start having cavities because I'll, I'll be gone by then. You know? <laughs> but you know, I said, you better be careful because I had like two, two grandmas who, had, who were over 100 years old, so I might last a long time. You know? But we, we joke around about these things because our cavity rates, once we actually start at, you know, looking at the entire picture, it likes the lowest of the lowest. I mean, most kids, they only end up, if they end up with something like significant, like an IV sedation, although we have probably like 10 or 15 per year IV sedation in our, in our uh, practice, which is very unusual for most pediatric dentists. But still, like a lot of times, like it's just that once in, a, in their whole life because things, they start changing we start seeing a change in their, you know, because we start actually supplementing, we look at their blood work, we look at all of these different things to see what was the ingredient that was missing that created the problem in the first place. You take care of the problem, but you have to take care of the cause of it in order for it to go away. Otherwise, I'm sure you see that kids, they come time after time and they continuously you know, get cavity after cavity. What's, I, I just don't, you know, and it's not like dentists, they make it seem like they're not brushing well and they're not eating, you know, they're eating too many sugars. I know so many kids that they never brush their teeth and they eat a lot of sugars and they're still like, okay, you know, <laughs> they still have no cavities. And I'm sure you know some of those things. Yep. And I'm not advocating for that. That's not the right thing to do. But like I, it makes me think, what is the difference between this kid and that kid? And why is this kid with like this amazing, amazing um, diet, like has such bad teeth and this kid doesn't. And then, so we go into the whole gut health and, and sometimes sensory stuff that we talked about before we started, you know, like like do they feel comfortable being touched in the face are the noises the light you know um, the smell i have these like yummy amazing um cherry gloves you know that they taste and smell really good and a lot of times i see i have seen noticed that with the kids with sensory integration issues they don't like the smell of the glove you know so some of those subtle things when you start paying attention to and you start seeing the patterns, you know, um, then you're not just kind of saying like, oh, this is just how my kid is. You know, you start getting clues about like, oh yeah, there might be this, this issue, there might be that issue. And how can you completely correct it? You know, just because your child has sensory integration, that doesn't mean like they're going to have for the rest of their lives. The same thing even even with autism, like I have had so many kids that earlier on, they exhibited a significant um, uh, different characteristic of autistic, you know, of kids with challenges with autism. And then as we worked little, to, not just with me, but with some of my colleagues that I work intimately with, 
they were like the top of their class. They actually completely resolved so many of those things and then starts kind of changing into a, um, a very, very like successful and very prominent, you know, children in their classrooms and in their, um, in their schools. And a lot of times, like, it's almost unbelievable to see the child that came in very early and then, you know, see them 10 years later and how they, you know, they have detox and really, really changed a lot in their system, you know, and brought that mindfulness into it. Yeah, that's, that's amazing answer. And definitely getting the kids early and educating yourself. I love, love that answer. So if parents would like more information or to get a hold of you, where could they find you? Well, I have an Instagram called Dr. Sherry Sammy. I put so many different things from like healthy, fun, yummy snacks that I like because <laughs> you still have to, you know, keep uh, feeding your children things that like other kids, they're you know, chocolates and things like that. We're also starting something called Conscious Chit Chat with Dr. Sammy and friends. Yeah, thank you so much for that. It's amazing. I'm so glad we connected and hopefully I'll be working with you more in the future. I hope so too. I hope so. I would love to be of service in any way that you found suitable for your moms and parents. And um, hopefully we'll all navigate through this coronavirus times. I think it's a, an amazing opportunity to continuously educate yourself now that you're slowing down and becoming a little bit more stationary, you know, in our very fast-paced world. Um, I think it's, a, it's an amazing opportunity to continuously educate yourself and upgrade the health of your family, like especially with the nutrition, with the thoughts, with um, what comes out of your mouth, what comes goes through your head, as well as what you put in your mouth. So I, those are very, very important things during this time. I agree. I agree. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Thanks for taking the time to listen to the Healthy Mouth Movement. Together, we can reduce dental disease. Yes, it is a disease. Cavities, gum disease, and gingivitis are all preventable, but only by you at home. Together, we can engage our kids and create good oral health habits because a healthy mouth is a healthy body and a healthy life.